Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Uh, That's what you call worshiping your guts out. And if you didn't just do that, no, there were people beside you, behind you, in front of you probably that were worshiping on your behalf, on your family's behalf. That song we just sang, at the end of the message today, you'll see how it even ties in. I didn't even know they were going to sing it. Um, So I'm going to preach today about the Israelites, but I don't want anyone to tune out because here's the thing. We can hear Israel, children of Israel, Israelites, and think, oh my gosh, it's that really deep in the Old Testament stuff that has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with us. Because the Israelites and the nation of Israel, which by the way, we're gonna throw this on the screen, we're going to Israel uh, this coming year in the spring. Pastor and I, uh, so far we have seven other people registered. I thought we'd have about 20 registered. I don't know if people are nervous. Don't be nervous. The vaccines, the issues, the entry, the exit, bombs, they're not an issue. Just don't worry about it. It's going to be great. Uh, So we're going to go to Israel. And so it's very relevant. We're actually talking about people who got their name or the country got its name from the Israelites. So um, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Joshua 3.17. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers are coming. Our gift to you, you can keep it. Uh, Leave your hand raised until we get you a Bible. Please keep it. If you have your YouVersion app, the notes have been uploaded, and you can find them there, or we'll have all of the notes and the scriptures on the screens. Uh, Let's pray as we get into the children of Israel, i.e., you and I. Let's pray. God, thank you that your word is alive today, God. Just as the words we just worshiped are so alive and powerful. The name of Jesus, it's, it, it has to be banned from the world because it's got so much power. So God, thank you we can come in here and scream it, yell it, plead it. Because in your name there is power and in your name we come to the Father for anything and everything we need. So we thank you for what you're gonna teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to talk about myself and Pastor Sean a lot today. So uh, I'm going to give you some good scripture in the beginning and set this up so that when I go to talking about my life, his and I's life, you're not like, did she even do the scripture part? Yes, we're going to do that right now. And I want to tell you about the children of Israel because it is relevant. A lot of times, and there's churches that have have said, we live under a new covenant and we are to look at the New Testament, forget the Old Testament. And that's not true because actually the Bible is one congruent story. Jesus is even in the book of Genesis. Jesus was before there was anything. And Jesus is all the way to the end. And, And current, we would even call it modern, culture divided into an Old Testament and New Testament. So the Old Testament is just as relevant. And I love the Old Testament. And when we went to Israel, I realized 
I really do love the Old Testament and the history of it. But I, I actually preached this message in Israel, in, Israel, in Toronto, um, at the church that we're partnered with in Toronto. And the reason I preached it first there is because I told Sean, I have to preach like right in a row. I don't have enough sermons. And he said, preach that message of stones of remembrance. And I preached this when I was a youth pastor's wife right out of Bible college. I had my degree, but I didn't really feel like girls could be pastors and it seemed like you went and you were either an English teacher or a nurse overseas if you did ministry as a woman. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm that old or I'm not that old and that was still an issue. So I got my, my biblical studies degree but graduated and they said, Sonny, don't you want your credentials? I said, I can get them. And so I went in very timid as a youth pastor's wife. And one time Sean had me speak and I preached the message called Stones of Remembrance. So babe, I'm sure he's watching. Uh, this is for you, Stones of Remembrance. However, you're gonna see today, I have a whole pile of Stones of Remembrance memories. When I preached this, I had like one or two stones really. So hopefully this will be much more robust. But when I taught this in Toronto, uh, I said I had preached a few more messages about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And so now we've released a series in Toronto called Lessons from the Wilderness. The first message I talked to them, and I want to tell you that we're talking about a group of people that they were rescued from Egypt. I just watched this on a plane recently, The Prince of Egypt used to think it was really good. Man has animation and music come a lot further. Let's just say that. It was amazing at the time and now I'm like, ugh, I kinda wanted to watch it on double time. And cause that's how our brains have developed even since 1990, whatever. But the Prince of Egypt, it's Moses who sees that his people have been slaves. And so he rescues them because God tells them to. They're out in the wilderness and then they have an uprising and they're like, we wish we were slaves still, Moses. And he's like, really? Yeah. And that's a lot of times, and this is why there's a lesson in this even, that we as children of God, we're not the children of Israel, but once Jesus did come and die on the cross, the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews, the children of Israel, and the Gentiles, us, are now all of his children. So that's why we relate today. But we can relate to life can be better, we can be in a good season, and then something or three things happen and we say, I wish I could just go back to that. And we forget the bondage and the yuck and the slavery or the, the, um, the struggle we had back then because our memories are always better. So there was an uprising. The second message, and I'm gonna build upon today, is that when they got to the promised land, the two new guys with the new vision said, we can take this land, we can, we can fill the promised land with our ancestors. Two guys said we can, 10 said we can't. Very much sounds like probably your work conference room, uh, the area or the people you work with, you've got a couple positive and then a whole bunch of negative. We, like the children of Israel, we have to look at perspective. But now, the children of Israel have moved to the point where now they're in the promised land, they've been promised it, Joshua is taking them over into the promised land through the Jordan River. The Jordan River isn't as big and wide as the Red Sea, but their ancestors, you know, Prince of Egypt or um, Charles, Charlton Heston, the Red Sea parted and the people walked through on dry land. These people were ancestors of them. Their grandparents had told them that happened. Now they're having to believe in what their grandparents said. They're having to believe about someone else's testimony because God says, I'm going to have you walk across on dry land. So here we are in Joshua 3, 17. 
It tells us now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan River. And all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. The Lord told Joshua to set up 12 stones from the Jordan representing each tribe. So Joshua explains what God told him. And Joshua in 4, 6, and 9 says that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So after 40 grueling years in the desert and a second time the water has parted, this is a, and we're past the season of waiting and circling the wilderness, there is now a monument that, it, that God tells Joshua, have the people, one from each tribe, there's 12 tribes of, of Israel that are represented, have one from each tribe pile the stones. Okay, so there, I'm gonna give you three solid truths to build upon. And there's two puns in there, did you hear it? I'm gonna give you three rock solid truths to build upon, and we're gonna build. All right, 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5 says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, talking about Jesus, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And you might go, uh, that last part, I don't really offer spiritual sacrifice. What we just did was offering spiritual sacrifice. We literally just offered ourselves. That's why when you, you have this urge to just like lift your hands up and like do a jig, which some of you should just go ahead and do and Keith already does and a few of our people already do. That is a spiritual sacrifice. Uh, but point number one, let's start with the beginning of that verse. It says, as you come to him, the living stone. So number one, I'm gonna move these rocks off. These are so big. I asked the staff to get these ready and they didn't disappoint. I was like, I don't know how, I, I, need, I need to stack 10, it's not gonna happen or the front row will die or I will fall off the stage with one in my hand. Uh, so Jesus is our living stone. Can you see this first stone? It's pretty wide and flat and big. Okay, I like that. So, so this is what we're to build our life upon. The living stone, the cornerstone, he's called the foundation. He's called all of those things. So that's point number one, easy. He's our living stone. Number two, Jesus is our living stone. And we are like, let me go next level, like living stones. We come next. Notice, Jesus is the singular, but we are like living stones. And we are being built, that scripture said. So I'm going to talk to you for the next long amount of time, majority of this message, about 10 stones of remembrance in my and Sean and I's life. And when I wrote this and revamped it from 20 plus years ago, when I had two stones of remembrance, uh, I thought, am I being dramatic that I have 10? And I look through my notes, I'm like, I've kind of condensed down to 10. We are being built, and that is the whole purpose of being built like living stones, is that we on our life build to the next level. Now, what I really wanted to do is bring out my stick or my staff, but it's gotten to be kitschy because if you see Sunny on a stage, she probably has a stick in her hand. Not because I'm a hiker, not because I go into the mountains with sheep, not any of that. Um, it's a staff that I have. I, I bought it. It looks like a real shepherd's staff, a walking stick. And, and what I love about it, and the reason I always go back to it, 
is because it reminds me of the stones. It reminds me that when Sunny went through what she went through and then God got her through, at the bottom I could make a notch. And then the next time God got me through, I'd make another notch and I'd be like, okay, he got me through that, he can get me through it again. So when David, Moses, all of these people in the Bible, you read or you hear, they say they leaned on their staff. It wasn't because they had back problems or a bad knee. They leaned figuratively on the memory of God did it before he can do it again. They leaned on what did their parents go through, their grandparents go through, that they watched them walk out of because of Jesus. And so they leaned on the staff and just like we put on the corner of our, our walls and our, or our doorway as our kids grow up and we say, they're seven years old, Johnny's nine years old, Johnny's 12 years old and it outdoes mom. And their notches, their growth steps, that's our Jesus life. And we are to be built up as living stones. So my first stone right here, um, I will jump to my teens. There were things that happened to me before that, but I journeyed a wholeness and I'm better. <laughs> and I've healed a lot of those. So I'm just gonna jump to my teens. So in my teen years, I was bullied. And this is what I would have talked about to our youth ministry in my Stones of Remembrance that Sean loves so much. Because I talked about what was most recent and what felt like the biggest thing in my life. And I was bullied before the word bully was really a word, a term. I, we called it picked on. Like Sonny gets picked on on the bus. Sonny gets, you know, depanced on the playground, which sounded funny to everybody else except the kid who has their pants pulled down on the playground. Uh, it, I was picked on all the time. Well, now I realize I was bullied. And that flowed over into my life in so many areas that I was always, I became very apologetic. I became very uh, hindered and like a wallflower so that if maybe people couldn't see me, they'd quit bullying me. So that became a stone that for many years was just a stone. It wasn't a remembrance. It hadn't turned into anything good. My next stone is I got pregnant at 15 years old. Now that in itself is a pretty big deal that piles up and becomes the history of your life. Uh, but back then we didn't have, only our parents had cell phones and typically they were the ones that were the car cell phone. So um, I was dating a boy who, asked, but here's, here's the part that really, the in between the bullying and the getting pregnant. I wore a shirt around in between that time that said, I'm not doing it. Josh McDowell was doing conferences and a lady came to our school and did a, a pep assembly when I was in my freshman year, I think, or eighth grade, and said, these are the reasons to stay pure, to not have sex before you're married. And on the back there was, of my t-shirt was a list of all the reasons. And I wore that proud, 12, 13, 14 years old. So my boyfriend knew where I stood and so did the whole school. Right? So they're watching, because I'd been the girl that they got to bully for all these years, and they're watching me. And I was like, I'm sure about this. I love Jesus, and I'm gonna do this right. Well, then I felt madly in love. And you know, when you're, if there's any teenagers in here, our teens are at a convention right now, which is awesome, some of them. But uh, you know, I felt, ma felt madly in love, and my boyfriend didn't have the conviction of staying pure, but he knew I did. So I had to convince him, let's go ahead, and let's do it because I'm gonna show you how much I love you and I'm gonna marry you anyway. Yeah, I'm 14 and I'm already knowing I'm gonna marry this guy. Well, I did end up pregnant at 14 
And at 15, I had the baby because she came early. Now, there weren't cell phones, and so my boyfriend had gone home to play junior and high school football the, ne the next day as I'm in the hospital and they're trying to stop the labor. I'm 23 weeks along, viable for a baby to survive. Uh, I go into labor right as he leaves, no cell phones to let him know. He gets an hour home. I've delivered the baby. Thank God, because I could have that experience for the first time in the future instead. He gets the call on his house phone. Sonny's had the baby. He comes back. Uh, Tyler, little baby, one and a half pound baby was born. I'm 15 years old. I'm looking. I'm like, this is weird, right? This isn't how it's supposed to go. And she quit, she quit breathing, but her heart beat for four hours. So she was warm, so she was alive. And so they were like, whatever you'd like to do, do you wanna hold, I, I, just was, I just remember that in itself being, like I could put multiple stones just on like that night, right? And then my boyfriend gets back, and so we awkwardly try to figure out what to do about this. We have a funeral, we have a pastor, who see, oversees the funeral at the gravesite. She's buried in Belfouche, South Dakota. That's just stone number two. She didn't make it, we broke up, that stone is over. I went to college early at age 17. I graduated a year early. Now you can imagine why I would graduate early. I grew up really quick. I thought I was gonna be a mom and I was gonna be married. That was the plan. My mom was so wise. She let me pick out my pregnant wedding dress and my precious moment cake. Because mom knew if you just let Sunny do what she thinks she's gonna do, she'll talk herself out, but I'm not gonna push or she'll, she'll go in a lope. And so she was wise. I hope she's watching. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have cried there. I just talking about my mom. Okay, so I went to college, got married at 17 years old my freshman year to Sean Hennessy. Greatest decision of my life, but for sure I was a few stones, not stoned, he was stoned for sure. I was a few, yeah. He didn't know you couldn't get stoned and love Jesus. And now, depending on the state, I guess that's up for debate. Um, I'm not giving you permission to get stoned. But anyway, he was stoned, and I had my stones. He didn't realize the stones of tragedy that he had in his life. He hadn't addressed those. We just got saved. He grew out his hair. He started wearing a suit once we graduated Bible college, put suspender socks on that he found in an antique store because his football calves kept pushing the socks down. Uh, and so he wore suspender socks. He wore a three-piece suit to the office. He grew out his hair. And then about two years in, he came to me and said, what have I become? And I'm like, I don't, like a 90-year-old pastor. Like, <laughs> you're, you're young and you're good-looking, and yet you're not. Like, you're just... You're just all of those things. So he shaved his head and he tried to become who he was, but we were floundering and we were trying to be these whole and healthy people who neither of us had dealt with our stones of trauma. So we, obviously we get married in college, we move on, we become youth pastors. And five years into the marriage, uh, 
you guys are getting so many details, you'd think this was like a girls' conference or girls' retreat. But I decided we were too poor. We made so little money as youth pastors. Like, I went and had two days of work at a vet clinic where I scooped poop because when you're a pastor, no matter the level of pastor, we don't make what you think we would make, or maybe we, make, we don't make a lot of money, and as a youth pastor, we made very little money, and I went and I was like, I can't scoop poop, I'll volunteer at the church and we'll be poor. And so we couldn't afford birth control, so we quit buying birth control. Got pregnant, was, didn't, wasn't even wanting to be pregnant. We were fine with our many dogs, and we were, we were making money off breeding dogs, like I was that person. And I got pregnant, but then I miscarried. And if you've ever miscarried, you know that the minute you can't have that baby, it's all you can think about. And so we were determined to get pregnant again. And so we prayed and prayed, and we got pregnant. And so we went to the doctor, and obviously I'd had a miscarriage, so the doctor was checking me often and checked on an ultrasound. And the tech, this is my next stone. I've kind of skipped a few here. We're on to more stones. Um, miscarried, pregnant, uh, we go to the doctor and the tech gets just white as a ghost and says, I need to go get the doctor, I'll be right back. Well, we had just come off a miscarriage, I pretty much knew what was happening. And the doctor came back in and said, oh, the baby is alive, I was 13, um, 13 or 17 weeks pregnant. The baby is alive, but there's a lot of issues and started measuring bones and heart and lungs. And, but the baby was moving, heart was beating. And so for 17 weeks to the end of pregnancy, we prayed for a miracle. We knew God was gonna heal this baby. We had evangelists and pastors in town that would pray over us. And, and I remember when we had Savannah at full term, and Sean went in and saw her and she had cords and tubes coming out of her and she was in the ICU. I was coming out of uh, surgery from a C-section. I remember uh, thinking that God was supposed to heal her. So what kind of God am I serving? And there's a book that we give away every week at the Welcome Center for free called Gra The Gravity of Grief. And this came out of our experience and pastor wrote a book where the reason people have enjoyed as much as you can enjoy or been helped by this book is because it starts out that he cursed God. He was like, I gave my life to you. And not to make light of it, but seriously, I grew out my hair for you. I've worn a suit for you. I've gone away from my dream of football for you. He was drafted CFL and tried out for the NFL. And he just knew he was going to go into ministry. And he's like, and really? Like, no miracle? And he wanted to curse God and be done. He definitely wanted to be done with ministry. I had no desire to continue on with ministry. The, t the text told us, I think I'm still, I'm on to another rock. The tech told us, and the doctor, that they had us meet with a geneticist, and the geneticist said, uh, you're incompatible. You're genetically incompatible, you need to quit trying. Now, some of you have had church hurt, and I'll tell you, this was the time where I had the most church hurt I can remember. And I remember people saying, the rumor was, Sean and Sonny are very selfish. They just keep trying to have a baby. They need to quit trying, it's so selfish. And the rumor got around. Uh, we did get pregnant again though. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. It felt like forever, it was only a few months. We got pregnant with Isaiah. 
And they did a baby shower for me at the same church where the rumor was spreading about that. Uh, they did a baby shower, and my friend, who I saw her post comment on the post that I was speaking, she had no idea what I was speaking about today, but she threw me a baby shower. This was a church of three to 4,000 people. Great church, nothing wrong with the church. I'm just saying, I was like a spotlight on me of feeling hurt by church and people, and it really wasn't the whole church, but three to 4,000 people. Sean was the youth pastor. I worked on staff. And there was one person that came to the baby shower. So 30-some seats set empty. Well, the problem is, is that this stone right here, the bullying stone, this was resurrected because I was rejected, rejected, rejected. And then, of course, I did my own dumb things like got pregnant, so of course people reject me. That's my internal talk. And then also probably the reason that we can't have a healthy baby and maybe Isaiah won't make it is because I got pregnant. So isn't God going to judge me and won't I be disciplined? Won't I be cursed to ever have children again? Is that why I miscarried and had Savannah? Because actually I had messed up on my promise to God. My view of God was so skewed in this pile, this heaping pile of rocks. And my husband couldn't really sort through it any better than I could. So we had Isaiah and he survived. And I remember my friend coming to visit me in Florida where we had moved. Sean went on the road full-time as an evangelist. I became a full-time youth pastor myself in Florida. And I remember my friend coming to see me and I saw a text back home to the church. He looks totally normal. They were still checking to see if we had a genetically okay child, like hurt upon hurt upon hurt. So we had two healthy kids, Isaiah and Aubrey. We are definitely genetically compatible in that they have given us a run for our money their whole life, but have been the greatest blessing and our greatest purpose after God and each other. Uh, but at age four and five, Sean and I, wonderful children got through that. Funny how Satan goes after us, but also funny how when we leave things unresolved and unhealed, something will resurrect. And at that point, Sean and I had had it with each other. Why? Because Sean was a wounded man from childhood. I was, you've heard, a wounded girl from childhood. And we were two bad roommates trying to not only be roommates, but have children together and figure out how to parent. And we were unhealthy and we were unwhole. We don't believe in marriage problems. We believe in people problems that are trying to live together and call it a marriage. You have to get whole and healthy yourself. And so we separated. Another rock. I'm not gonna be able to get to all 10 or they would topple, but uh, we separated, lost our credentials with the Assemblies of God, which we needed to get our, honestly, we needed to fall all the way. And now we have a podcast called The Rise After the Fall where we talk about we're thankful now. We weren't in the midst of it, but we're thankful now we fell all the way because then we had to go pick up the pieces, find healing and wholeness, and that's where we found what we now call Journey to Wholeness. So grateful for that, but we had lost our credentials, we'd lost our church, rightfully so again, uh, and, but then we were unqualified. We moved here to Green Bay the first time. You know we lived here before the last 10 years, I don't know if you know that. We moved here to do basically Journey to Wholeness, and uh, our kids loved it so much that we, we had always stayed in love with Green Bay. But when we lived here, I worked at a coffee house out on Lineville Road. Sean tried to get a job at Lowe's, TSA, McDonald's. So McDonald's said he's overqualified. TSA said his credit stunk. And um, Lowe's never called him back. 
So we wrote the blog that turned into the book, The Gravity of Grief, about Savannah, our daughter that died, and he was a stay-at-home dad. And if you were to ask Pastor what was his favorite point in his life, he would say, when I was a stay-at-home dad. Not because I felt good about myself, not because I liked not having a job, but because I finally focused and cared about my family. So we were unemployed, over and under qualified, and then we came to Green Bay 10 years ago. Now, coming to Green Bay 10 years ago, that, that's still a stone of remembrance because we, uh, we were really coming back to the place where we had been the most broken, and we never thought we'd come back to Wisconsin. We thought we would continue to be in the south, the coast, things like that. But we had favor, and I would say that I, I, the, the wholeness that came from journey to wholeness and then getting to the point where we were in Green Bay, for seven plus years, I feel like it was the greatest, most fruitful, calm, peaceful time of our life. It was wonderful. And then a pandemic hit. Now, that stone I wish could be like this second stone size because Talk about shaking all the things you thought that you had turned stones that were trauma into remembrance and you know, because remembrance is good memories. It is memory, think about this, the boyfriend, the girlfriend that you had way back, you've probably had more good memories than you've had bad. Or a friendship that was really rough, but later you look back and there can be good memories. What happens is when we truly turn these from trauma and tragedy into remembrance stones, they can be good. So we had such goodness in Green Bay, but then the pandemic just hit and you guys all went through it too. Our son got COVID, uh, it affected him neurologically, it affected his mental health, um, it has not been easy. It's been, and Sean has said this, he said it this week because we went to get him help even this week. Um, the stone isn't a little smaller than this because it's just easier because we've been through some stuff. The stone is, feels like a boulder just smashed into this. But here's the thing that's great about stones. Sean and I are okay. Better than we were in these moments where we had to quit a job to get through, where we had to almost lose our marriage to get through. Like we have built upon the cornerstone to get to a point that even though it feels like a boulder, we're okay. Our kids are okay. God is good. And that stone is gonna end up right up here, but we're gonna turn it from a trauma or a tragedy into a remembrance stone. I had a friend remind me of Matthew 5.14 in a text two days ago. It says that your light will shine in the darkness. It can't be covered by men. And she said this about Sean and I. She said, God will shine brighter, friends, even in your brokenness. Stay broken, as it is a good, good mama and daddy who can ache for their children. Your cracks in your vessel will only let more shine through. No need to pull it all together. He shines bright in your brokenness. Now, I agree with that. And she's done journey to wholeness. So she's not saying just stay a pile of tragedy and trauma. She's saying in our openness, in the fact I can know I've been broken and broken and broken, but they pile up. I can know that I can turn these tragedies. You can turn your tragedies, your traumas into stones of remembrance. I wanna read for the third point because I've not given you the third point. 
the final lesson. First Peter 2, 4 and 5 says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Don't zone out here, but it means you to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. All of this made me not perfect. Everything I told you, I had a part in the imperfection, in the messing up, and yet this builds me into a holy priesthood, not because I have credentials. This builds me into a, ho a holy priesthood. Why? Because he says it does, that I can offer spiritual sacrifices. I have sacrificed babies, children, marriage, on the altar of the stones of remembrance. But the promise is that I'm acceptable to God through Jesus because I'm being built. So the last point, Jesus is our living stone. We are like living stones and we are being built up. Matthew 6, 17 and 18 says, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from a human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Nowhere in the Bible does God say something or have something printed just for that person. Yes, that was said to, to Peter, but this is said for us. Our lives can be established monuments pointing towards salvation, hope, and a priesthood. So how can we remember Jesus in it? For us to remember Jesus in this, one, we have to look at the pile. I have to look at this and not hate it. But if there's something I hate in it, I need to, I need to journey to wholeness. I need to journey. I need to get help and holing. So number one, I need to look at the pile. Number two, I need to dig some things up. There's some rocks that some of you uh, need to excavate because if you were to start piling your rocks, you won't admit that there's some rocks there. There's some memories, some trauma, some tragedy that need to be dug up, dug up. And we are here to help you. We're not asking you to go do this on your own without help. We're here to help you. That's why we're a Journey to Wholeness Church. The base, remember this, the base is wider. And the reason this base is wider is because one, mine is wider too, because b bullying seemed like the biggest thing and now bullying seems like nothing compared to up here, yet I handle up here better than I handled down here. But the base, the base is what's important. It's wider, and why is it wider? Because a bloody death on a cross created that foundation. A bloody, gruesome death the nastiest way someone could die created a tragedy, a stone that was rolled away so that we can look to him in our pile and we can turn them into stones of remembrance. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're in this place and you say, I, I understand what pastor was saying when he just wanted to throw it away with God because he couldn't see anything good coming from God. Or maybe you're just like, I've just, I've just not had a relationship or dug in with him, so I don't even know how to begin to pile those rocks, those stones of remembrance. And you just say, I just need Jesus. If you just need Jesus, for the first time or coming back to him, without anybody looking around, will you raise your hand, look at me, put your 
hand back down. I won't call you up here. Thank you, thank you. Over in the side anymore. Thank you. In the middle, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody, thank you. Over here, my left, your right, thank you. All right, everyone in this room, let's pray with these people and those who raised their hand, pray with me as well. Say, dear Jesus, I love you, I need you, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me, make me new, come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you uh, heard this message, but you've already got Jesus in your life, but you would say, Sonny, there are stones. There's, there's definite stones, and I see the good that has come. But there are some things I'm going to excavate. There's some things I'm going to uncover and dig up. And there's some stones that need to be turned over in my heart and mind from tragedy into stones of remembrance, a good, a good memory. If that's you, will you close your eyes, bow your head one more time. Let me pray with you. If you'll raise your hand, I want to know who that is, how many there are. Thank you all over, all over. God, I pray for my friends. I pray that you'd bring them peace. But God, I pray that you'd give them the next steps. You know what the next step is in each of our lives. You order our lives, God. And if we listen to your wisdom, to your voice, you will speak. So God, speak to each individual this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.